All right, let's finish out this series, God Help Us Unite. I've loved this series as we've talked about Christ-centered relationships. We've talked about mission-driven relationships. We've talked about legacy-driven relationships last week. And if you missed any of these messages, you can catch up online. Uh, They're available for you uh, to watch anytime, both on the app and our website and on our YouTube channel. And so catch up if you're behind. But hey, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to healthy relationships, there's a lot of things that help, right? There's a lot of tips and tricks and maybe you and your spouse have read a marriage book or maybe before you got married, you read some books because you're like, man, this is kind of scary and I want to know how to do this, right? And so there's a lot of things necessary for a healthy relationship like loyalty and trust, realistic expectations. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Realistic expectations because every single one of us had some expectations before we got married that were not met once we got married, right? You know, from anything like how the toothbrush is supposed to uh, be put away to, uh, you know, all kinds of things in the house, you know, which way the toilet paper roll goes on the holder. And, you know, all these things that people, when they get married, argue about because they just expected that everybody did it the way that they did it, right? What about communications, both listening and talking, right? Everybody loves a good listener, right? And everybody loves somebody who knows when to stop talking. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, in a great relationship, you need shared mission, some shared values, common things that you kind of like to do together, that you you feel like your life is about something together. All those things are really important. But there's one thing that we'll talk about today that is like the cherry on top, and, and you can't have the dish without this one ingredient, and it's love. And so as we talk about love-infused relationships, I really want you to see this as a key to everything we've talked about in the previous three weeks. Everything we've talked about in the previous two weeks. You can't do any of it without love. You can't serve Jesus without love. And so we're going to unpack this today. You can have it all. But without love, it doesn't work. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the knowledge in the world. But without love, it's nothing. You know, there's, there's some things that you just can't separate, right? Here in the Midwest, I don't know how it is in Cincinnati because I'm still kind of new to the area. But in a lot of places where I've come from, you know, if you've got a pizza on the table, you need a dish of ranch as well. Can I get an amen? Any ranch lovers with your pizza out there? And so some of you, now that you tried it, you just can't go back. And now you have to have ranch with your pizza. Some people, it's like fries, you got to have the ketchup, right? Donuts, you got to have the coffee, right? Pancakes, you got to have the syrup. Summer, you got to have baseball. Chips, you got to have salsa. There's nothing worse than going to a restaurant where there's no customer service, right? And it's like, it's that extra ingredient that just puts it over the top. We all know what it's like to be in a doctor's office or hospital where they have all the tools, they have all the devices, they have all the things in the hospital to make you well. But it's obviously that they don't love you or care about you. Have you ever been in a situation like that? When it's all just business and it just takes life out of the air and it's just sterile? This is what things look like without love. Without love. Man, I, I've, I've had some amazing experiences in my life. 
had the opportunity to travel around the world uh, on different missions trips and things like that. And I remember one time I was, I was literally on the other side of the world in the Philippines. And I was out on an island um, and we were sharing the gospel and we were in a church on an, on an island that had no electricity, no running water, no anything like that. And I had a crazy experience that night. I fell in a rice paddy, got all muddy. It's a, it's a funny story and I'll share it with you sometime. But at the end of this crazy night, at like one in the morning, okay, after we had had all these crazy adventures and nothing had gone right, I sat down at a candlelit table in the middle of nowhere and had a meal prepared for me by people who didn't have much to give, right? And it's at those times where you're like, it doesn't matter where you are, how much you have or you don't have, there's no electricity, there's no running water, who cares? There was love. And in that moment, it's like, that's what you needed. You needed to be with people that loved you. And so, but here's the deal. Love is the most misunderstood word ever on the face of the planet. And part of it is in due, in, in, um, due to the fact that in the English language, we only have one word for it, love. And so we say everything from I love my wife to I love tacos. And they're not really on the same playing field, right? Although some of my friends from Illinois, um, from our church back in Illinois um, are here with us today and one of them really loves tacos. So she might love tacos as much as her husband, but, um, or more. Yeah, but you know, the, the, the same word, two completely different meanings. But in the, in the ancient world, in, you know, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. And in the Greek language, they had, in, in, that, in those times, they had four different words that described different kinds of love. One was called eros, and this is passionate love. It's a physical love. It's, it's born out of inner passions. You know, and it could be anything from like, man, I really like this person, to... I love sports or I love my country. It's just things that, that I love because they're my preference. Because, and it, it's born out of the inside of me, right? And that kind of love really has everything to do with me. It's like what feels good and what I like and what, you, what feels right to me. And it's interesting to note that that word was never used in the New Testament, not once. And then the, the other, there's another Greek word for love called storge. And this also was never used in the New Testament, but this is like the, the love that a parent would have for a child. It's an affectionate love. And then there's another word that is used in the New Testament. It's phileo love. And this is brotherly love or, or close friendship love or the, the kind of love that, the deep love that a spouse would have for a spouse, right? And, and it talks about this in the New Testament when we're called to, to have brotherly love between us as believers, but then there's agape love. This is the fourth word for love in the ancient Greek, Greek language. And this is the one most used in the New Testament. And in the passage we're going to study today, 1 Corinthians 13, this is the kind of love that it's talking about. And so it's important to know the definition before you unpack what it looks like in relationship to your Christian life. And so agape love it's unconditional love. It's perfect love. And just a newsflash, you and I, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. 
And we are incapable of this kind of love on our own. See, agape love, it's completely selfish, selfless. It's completely selfish. It's sacrificial love. Agape love is the love of the mind, of the reason, of the will. It's a love that goes so far, you know, no matter what the circumstances, it goes so far that it loves a person even if he does not deserve to be loved. Agape love goes so far that it actually loves the person who is utterly unworthy of being loved. Selfless or agape love is the love of God, the very love possessed by God himself, and it's the love demonstrated on the cross of Christ. Now, you might think you love good, but you don't love like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I know that I'll never be able to love as perfectly as Jesus has loved me. And that's one of the reasons that I say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my whole life trying. I'm gonna live my whole life attempting to love you back the way that you loved me. So this is why you and I can experience love, hashtag love, but still feel empty because you're experiencing those other three kinds of love. And at the end of the day, you still feel like there's something missing. It's because there's different types and only one love will fill the void in your heart that only God can fill. Some people have called it, there's, there's a God-shaped hole in your heart. And you might be here this morning and life is happening and stuff is going on and you feel that empty spot in your heart. And maybe you, you've even served Jesus and at one time you felt really connected to God and you felt like, man, things were going good. But for whatever reason, that hole is back and there's that void in your heart and you just really feel like you're missing out on something and you don't even know what it is because your family is doing okay, work's going okay, you've got friends, things are going halfway decent, you know, you can't complain, maybe you, you talk to me about people about your problems and you're like, well, they're just, you know, first world problems. And it's like, man, I know I shouldn't have anything to complain about, but there's still this hole in my heart. And that's because it's the kind of love that can only be given and received from God. If I'm going to get love lessons from somebody, let it be Jesus, right? Let it be Jesus. It can only be experienced, listen, this, is, this kind of love, this agape love, it can only be experienced by someone who has received it from the source. You've got to get it from him. There's no other place to get this kind of love, this agape love, except from Christ. You know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I was in the Philippines. There's this one island in the southern islands of the Philippines. There's an island, a small island called Guimaras. And in this island, you can get the biggest most tasty mangoes you've ever seen in the entire world. And Filipino mangoes are good, but amongst the Filipino mangoes, they all know that the best mangoes in all of the Philippines, thousands of islands, are found on the island of Guimaras. And it's like, you only get to really experience if you go there and get one fresh off the tree and have it you know, prepared right there on the spot. And it's like, 
that one place that you can get this special thing that you can't find anywhere else in the world. And it's like that with the love of God. There's only one place where you can get it. And that's why you can search and search and search your whole life and still feel empty if you haven't found him. Because listen, God defines and embodies love. He defines and embodies love. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus is the greatest expression of love. And then the Holy Spirit, he enables us to love others with agape love, the kind of love that we're not capable of on our own. So you see the progression, God is love. He sends his son to express that love by dying for us on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to love other people like we weren't capable of on our own. And so as God fills that hole in in our hearts of love that we are missing, he not only does that, but he enables us to love other people in a way that we were not capable of previously, right? And so check this out. As we get into our notes today, you can fill in the blanks. You can jump in your app and the notes will be there as well. Without love, we've got to remember this. We're going to drive this home today. Number one, all that you say is ineffective. All that you say is ineffective. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. Right? So I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I'm just noise. And not only that, I'm really annoying. (laughs) Right? Words without love are just noise. People resent and reject unloving words, but they listen and respond to words spoken in love. I remember when I preached my first uh, real sermon ever, like that was more than like a, a couple minutes, right? And I was at my youth group in Minneapolis and I had just graduated from Bible school. And believe it or not, other than like the classroom setting, I had never preached a sermon in front of people until after I graduated from Bible school. And so I get up and, and, and mainly because I'm so nervous, I just completely botched the whole thing. Like, like I talked for 20 or 30 minutes, but I'm not sure it was intelligible. I'm not sure it made any sense, right? But here's the cool thing, because I had relationships with those students and and I loved them and they loved me and we had a lot of shared experiences and they were rooting for me. Even though I did a bang up job on that sermon, guess what? It still went over really well because they loved me and I loved them. And that's what you gotta get. You might not do it right. You might not always have the right words to say, but when you speak it in love and you ask God to pave the way, and you ask God to let his love flow through you as you do your relationships, the words that you speak can then have meaning and value because of love. You see, more than ever before, words are just noise. We see words everywhere, Facebook, all over the place, news, yeah, 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 right? And so more than ever before, it's important to speak words with love. You gotta think, what kind of impact does this have in our relationships? right? How much do we think about what comes out before it comes out? God, forgive us, forgive me for so many ineffective words. Number two, without love, all that you know is incomplete. 
all that you know. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but do not have love, I am nothing. I'm nothing. So the world is exploding with information and knowledge, yet many of our most basic problems are not being solved because the world is not looking for more knowledge. The world is looking for love. That's what we're looking for. Think about it like this. Do you feel loved when you're around a know-it-all? Think about it. When you're around somebody that just knows everything and loves to tell everybody about it, do you just feel loved by that person? No, you don't. Why? Because people need less information, people need less opinion, and they need more Christ-like love. And so, man, if this is true, then we've got to show your love before you share your thoughts. How about that? Show your love before you share your thoughts. Man, if everybody on, on Facebook could realize this, this, the world would be a better place. That, hey, if I can't show my love to that person, I'm just going to not share my thoughts. Because all that I know is incomplete. And remember, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so if they, you can't put love with it, everything you know, everything you ever will know, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it's nothing without love. Side note, no one wins arguments on social media. It has never happened in the history of the planet. And so this is just bonus material for you today. Not once in the whole history of the internet has anybody ever won an argument on social, like literally it's never happened. And so just take that for that. I had a friend who was a, uh, actually it was a, a brother of a really, really close friend who was an atheist. And so for years, man, we're praying our guts out for his brother to find Jesus. And um, so my friend was heartbroken, like only a brother can be that his brother didn't know Christ. And some of you that have family members that don't know Jesus, you know how that feels. It's just like it, it can consume your thoughts. Your heart can just be so burdened and, and broken because this person that you love so much is far from God. And so not only was this brother far from God, but he was, he was a very loudly proclaiming atheist. He made fun of his brother all the time. It was, it was a, a, they loved each other, but it was a tense relationship because of this one thing. Because the one brother was, man, on fire for God in ministry, doing, doing everything he could to serve God. And the other brother was like the complete opposite direction. And so, man, we prayed and they would have conversations all the time. And so this, the, the, the believing brother asked the unbelieving brother, hey, just try something for me. Number one, just try to pray and just see what God does. Just try it. You, you're so sure that he doesn't exist, then fine. It's not going to hurt you at all. Just try to pray and see if God answers you. And then second, he's like, hey, would you be open to just talking to my pastor? And so I had the opportunity to get to sit across the table with this guy and just talk about all of his thoughts and questions. And, and how many of you know that if I would have just been like, well, you're wrong, and this is why I know you're wrong, and da, 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 it probably wouldn't have gone over very well. 
But because I was just able to love on him and be like, hey, man, I know some of your questions I don't have the answers to. Like, I seriously don't know. But here's what I do know. Jesus loves you so much. And if you just give him a chance, I really believe he's going to reveal himself to you. And all these unanswered questions are going to come into clarity because that's what God does. And that's what I believe. And so, hey, just give it a try. What do you have to lose? Lo and behold, a couple weeks later, (laughs) I get together with this guy again and his eyes are huge and his countenance has changed. And it didn't matter what he knew, God's love had broken through, right? And that's the power of God's love because all that you know is incomplete without love. But when God adds his love, man, everything comes into clarity. Number three, all that you believe is insufficient without love. All that you believe is insufficient without love. First Corinthians 13, two says, if I have faith that can move mountains, but, I, but do not have love, I am nothing. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> I'm nothing, right? I'm nothing if I don't have love. And everything I believe is insufficient if I don't have love. You see, many people have the misconception that being a Christian is just about believing certain truths and doctrines. And man, some people get into the theology and the doctrines of it all and all, and we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. But that's not the end goal. Belief isn't the end goal. Now, the Bible says when you you believe, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. And so belief is a huge part of it, but that's not the end of it. And that's not the reason behind it all. The question is, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Do you love him? Now, here's a great, a great way to think about this and to illustrate this. <clears throat> I can believe that I'm married, right? And I am. My wife's right there. So it's easy to believe that I'm married. But if you're married, you know that as time goes on and you've seen people get divorced and you've seen people break up, just because you believe you're married doesn't mean that you love your spouse. Ouch. That hurts, doesn't it? And that's a great illustration to say, just because I believe that there's a God doesn't mean that I love him. Doesn't mean that I love him. And just like my love with my spouse, I've got to work on it and I've got to invest in it and I've got to water the grass on my side of the fence, as some people say. I've got to do that with God. I've got to pour myself into him. I've got to pour my love out for him because all I believe is insufficient without love. Do you realize that when you love Jesus, you'll do as he says? Do you realize that He loves you more than you can imagine. Christianity is about experiencing the love that Jesus has for you and learning how to love like him. A couple other thoughts here. My circumstances don't change how much Jesus loves me. Sometimes because of our circumstance, we start to believe things that aren't true about God. Like, well, if God loved me, why would this happen to me? But your circumstances don't change how much God loves you. And here's another thing. I can't believe my way out of every circumstance, right? 
Jesus is the prime example. All his beliefs were right, and he still had some tough circumstances. And so all you believe is insufficient without love. And then lastly, on this topic, I just want to encourage you, don't use belief or faith as a club because that's not loving. Because remember, all you believe is insufficient without love, so don't use your beliefs to beat other people up. It never helps. Do it in love. Number four, all that you give is insignificant without love. All that you give is insignificant without love. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. If I give all I possess to the poor, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Jesus, he said to the Pharisees at one point, he said, hey, you tithe like the best of them and keep doing that. You should tithe. But don't let the more important things go undone either. And what did he say? He said, don't neglect the justice and love of God. And so here the Pharisees are. These guys are looking good on the outside, but Jesus said inside they were like whitewashed tombs, dry bones. And he tells them, hey, keep tithing because that's what you should be doing. But if you don't have love with it, it's meaningless, right? There's all kinds of motivations for giving. It could include obligation or prestige or guilt. And by the way, when you give here at Mosaic Church, I don't want you ever to give out of manipulation or guilt or like feeling like you have to. That's not the scriptural model. The scriptural model is that I give because I want to, because I'm, I'm joyfully giving. I'm happy to give back to God um, a portion of what he's blessed me with, right? And so just because you give doesn't mean that you're doing it in love. Why? Because you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so it's because I love Jesus and because the Holy Spirit is helping me love the world and love his church through me, I give back to God. Number five as we close today. Without love, all that you accomplish is inadequate. Without love, all that you accomplish is inadequate. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatsoever. Didn't that blow your mind? And just so you know, because maybe, maybe um, you're kind of new to this whole following Jesus thing and I haven't had time to read up on church history much, Like this happened. People were burned alive for preaching the gospel. And so little context here, when Paul says this to the Corinthians, he's saying something that was actually happening. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? If I had to stand up here as your pastor and encourage you guys, hey, guys, you might might get burned at the stake. But if you don't love then it's all for nothing. And so just, just think of, of how somebody in that church in Corinth would feel knowing that some believers out there are getting burned for, alive for their faith. And the contrast of, of thinking, man, I could be that devoted and that in and that just all over it, but if I don't have love, then all I accomplish is, in, is inadequate. 
So you can have all kinds of great accomplishments. You can even sacrifice your life for the greatest cause in the world, the kingdom of God. But without love, it's wasted effort. You could reach the highest stage, the highest office. You could be the king of your mountain, whatever that is. You could even be the president of your HOA. Those people have power. You could have all kinds of medals on the wall, right? You could have accolades a mile long, but if you don't have love, and not only that, but the kind of love that Jesus lives through you, it's all wasted. And so what does a loving life look like? Is it just people kind of standing around in a circle singing Kumbaya? No. What does it look like? Think about what Jesus did. Think about it. He came, he lived a sinless life, which you and I, we blew that already, didn't we? But he spends three, three and a half years with 12 uneducated guys, expecting them after he leaves to go and change the world. He died on the cross for mankind who rejected him. Even those closest to him all scattered and ran away, but he didn't quit. He didn't quit when life circumstances got crazy because why? Because he saw you. He saw your life that was broken by sin. He saw your life and mine that was undeserving. He saw your life and mine that was not redeemable And so he became that redeeming factor. That's what Jesus did. Love made the difference. Not just some random kind of love, not some ushy-gushy kind of love, the kind of love that keeps going even when no one else is around. The kind of love that says, hey, I'm gonna still love you no matter what you do. And so with Jesus' example in your mind and that picture of him walking up that dusty road with the cross on his back and he's going to a a criminal's death even though he had done nothing wrong. And that picture in your mind of him being whipped and flogged and beaten and bleeding, being pierced, nailed to a cross, lifted up and suffering an unimaginable death for you and for me. With that picture in your mind, let's read this last passage together. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. And we need that one today, don't we? It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen. I don't know about you, but this is the most convicting passage of scripture that I've ever read and I think I ever will read because when I put my life up against that, I feel like such a failure. 
And remember in the beginning how I talked about we're not capable of this kind of love on our own. We need Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.23, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. He just took it. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And so think about this today. Love doesn't guarantee success, but a lack of love guarantees failure. And when I say success, I mean like in the here and now. Like when you love with all you got, you love other people with Christ's love, it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be perfect all the time. Even Jesus was rejected, the disciples, every single one of them except John was martyred for their faith. And so in the here and now, you might not win in the world's eyes, but if you don't love, and if you don't receive the love that Christ affords you through his death and resurrection, guaranteed failure. Guaranteed failure. So what does this mean? It means that my life has meaning and purpose only when I love others like Christ loves me. Only when I love others like Christ loves me. So how are you doing? How are you doing with that? Right? Man, I know for me, I'm not doing so well all the time. I know for me, it's a lifelong journey that I have to keep working and keep striving and keep, keep trying again and saying, God, love through me because I don't have the kind of love for others like I know you want me to have, right? How are you doing in loving your spouse? How's that going? When you read that passage, it's patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't dishonor, it's not self-seeking. How's that going with your spouse? What about your kids? We could just stop at love is patient. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, God, why'd you have to put that in there? Have you met my kids, right? How's it going with your friends? How's it going with the jerk at work, your coworkers? What about those in authority? How's it going with them? What about your enemies? Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. You see, we can only do this with his help, right? Jesus was serious about this. And in Matthew 5, he even talks about if you come to worship and if you come to lay your offering at the altar, but you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there and go be reconciled in that relationship and then come offer your gift, right? The Bible even says in another part that, man, if you're not considerate of husbands, if you're not considerate of your spouse and treat them the way that you should, that God won't hear your prayers. This is a big deal. In John, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if, that's a big if, you love one another. So as we pray this prayer, God, God help us unite. We're praying it with earnesty, with urgency, because we know that we need him to do this the way that we should, right? So in relationship to these five points that we talked about today, just wanna to ask you, have you allowed something else to become more important? knowledge or belief or 
whatever the case may be. Words, you like to talk a lot and just can't be quiet. Have you allowed something to become more important? Is it time for you to experience God's love for yourself? Because remember, God's kind of love, the agape love, it can only be experienced by someone who receives it from the source, which is Jesus. And if you, like me, sometimes allow things to become more important than loving people the way that God wants you to, I just wanna encourage you to fill up on his love every single day. Fill up on his love every single day. Why? Because you can't give somebody something you don't have, right? And so we gotta fill up on it every day. I'm gonna speak his loving thoughts over my life every single day. I, I think it's a really good practice to look in the mirror, to literally look in the mirror and tell yourself what God thinks about you, to get his loving thoughts in your heart. You know, you're gonna look in the mirror and you're gonna say, I'm completely known and I'm completely loved by Christ. God, you don't love me based on my performance. You love me because I'm your child, right? God, help me through the power of the Holy Spirit to comprehend your love for me. And as God fills you up with this love on a daily basis, you're able to walk out that door and to love people the way God intends you to love them. So the question is, do you need to receive his love today? Do you need to surrender? Because remember, you can only get this kind of love from one place. And you and I will forever be failures at this love thing if we're not getting our love that we're giving from the right place. So if you wanna bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, is that you? Do you need to receive Christ's love in your life? You need to offer your heart and your life to him, maybe for the first time. Is that you? You realize you've been searching all over the place, all different sources, and you realize, man, you haven't gone to the source. You're still feeling that void, that hole in your heart, and you need Jesus to fill it. If that's you today, I just wanna encourage you to raise your hand. It's just a physical sign to heaven. Hey God, I'm, that's me, I need you. Is that you today? Awesome, thank you for responding. And as you raise that hand, I just encourage you to pray a prayer. God, I accept your free gift of love. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again on the third day. Help me to follow your word, help me to do what you say. Help me to love like you loved me. And help me to do this every day in my life. I wanna follow you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, if you prayed that prayer, Bible says amazing things are happening in your heart right now. Your sin is being thrown as far as the east is from the west. God's love, his Holy Spirit is taking residence in your heart. And now that you've received his love, even beginning today, it's time to start freely giving his love. Listen, understanding his love for you is the step Understanding his love for you is the first step to loving others better, right? It's the first step. And so I just wanna encourage you, practice doing your life in love. Picture your weekly schedule, your actions. Where could you inject more of Christ's love? I guarantee you that every single person in this room, when I went through that list of spouse, kids, 
friends, coworkers. There's an area where we need to get better, right? And so as I pray, closing prayer, we wrap up this series. Let's just commit to doing better, amen? God, we just lay our relationships at your feet. We lay our, our marriages, our friendships, our work relationships, our, our lives, God, even our church family relationships. God, we lay at your feet. Help us to do better. Help us to love others the way that you love us. Help us to receive love from you every day because if we don't, we've got nothing to give. We need you, Jesus. God, I pray that love will be more than just our knowledge and belief and actions and accomplishments because at the end of the day, no one cares about that stuff. They care if they're loved. God, you created us with this hole in our heart. God, you created us with this need for love. And you accomplished it through your death and the cross and the resurrection from the dead. And so we just thank you so much that in you, there's a boundless source of love. That you are good, your word, your love endures forever. We can always count on it. We can always run to it. We can walk with it. We can live in it. We just thank you for that, Jesus. God, empower us through your Holy Spirit to love each other. Empower us through your Holy Spirit to be kind, patient. Help us to last as we love other people, to not give up, to not make excuses. Help us to have endurance in this life that you've called us to live as we love each other. In Jesus' name.